Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. Thank you for being here, wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast. Your presence is much appreciated. For the ones that are new here, I'd like to welcome you to our community. I hope you like it enough that you will stay and subscribe to the podcast. We are available on all podcasting platforms, even on YouTube. After subscribing, I'd also appreciate if you could leave us a short and sweet review and a five-star rating. That's the best way to help us share these beautiful stories of these amazing individuals to more listeners. So please do. And if you want to reach out to the podcast about any questions and concerns, you can check out our social media accounts. Our handle is at animmigrantslife or you can email us at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. And that is the buzz. Now let's talk about the episode. Actually, uh, before we talk about the episode, I just want to say a short disclaimer. As much as this podcast is a loose conversation with our guest, I still like to keep some journalistic integrity. So when I recorded this episode with a guest, there is some parts of me that question the accuracy of his memory. And I think he didn't take that kindly. Uh, it might not show on the audio, but trust me, this episode is probably one of the most intense and awkward conversations I ever had with a guest. <laughs> Having said that, it made me hesitant to release the episode at all. But something told me that I should, so I am releasing it. Also, I want you, my listeners, to be the judge of this week's guest story. I think I've said enough. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a best-selling author that escaped the land of four seasons so he may bloom in the Big Apple. Everyone, please welcome Burak Yilmaz. Hi, everyone. What's going on, Burak? Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm good, good. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. How are you doing? Doing good, man. I'm excited to do this. Me too, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, as they say, why don't you tell Ooh. the immigrant nation where they can reach you and if you want to promote anything? Well, uh, they can go to my website, uh, Burak, B as in boy, you are the Robert, A as in Apple, K Kevin, 212.com. Mm, beautiful. And... Uh, I, uh, they can um, add their email, I can reach them, and we can start conversations, whatever mm-hmm. uh, is necessary. Mm-hmm. Either it's helping to someone and helping to another person, you know, uh, I'm always there for. Um, I'm all about uh, inspiring and helping other people, especially if it's like uh, young people mm-hmm. uh, who need help and uh, prevent them uh, getting hurt in the future or, you know, be able to guide them and share my experiences. Mm-hmm, definitely. But why did you put 212 on your website? 
Oh, it's a very good question. I love it. Mm. And um, Istanbul, our airport is 212. Oh, And okay. so New York. New York too is 212? Yeah. So oh. I didn't. I didn't change my area code. I just changed the countries. <laughs> change the country and change the language. Yeah, but area code stays the same. So 212. Yeah, mm. that's why. That's beautiful. I love that. That's so clever. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, something must have got, got me here, you know? Mm -hmm. I, must be, I must have that gene a little bit. <laughs> Possibly. So you mentioned originally you're from Turkey but you Correct. now live in the city of New York. Correct. How was your life in Turkey, and why did you move to the U.S.? My life was uh, very interesting, hmm. and ups and downs, mostly downs. Uh, you know, a lot of fun, that I could say now. And um, every single day, uh, day that I lived there, uh, the every single experience that I have, I'm so grateful for it. Even mm. it, it seemed like there were bad experiences at that moment, but I was able to take them and turn into <clears throat> something good, which is, again, I said before, um, that all experiences will help me to help to other, uh, other people, young people, hopefully in the future. Mm. Um, as I said, I am so happy that I grew up in the era that we didn't have uh, Facebook, Instagram, or I mean, I mean, I'm more grateful now that we have Instagram, so I can actually be able to reach more people hmm. and to help them. But that time, um, I don't explain it. Uh, living day by day, trying to survive the next day, and especially even after my father threw me out. I was like what 17 hmm. as a gay guy in Turkey had no money in my pocket and from there uh, learned how to you know stay alive in an early age and I, I it was very hard for me to have dreams or you know projects or you know dreams my dreams to stay alive for the next day that hmm. was the dream yeah you mentioned that your dad thrown you out to the streets. Uh, where was mom? Did she were able to say something or not at all? But my mom left when I was five years old. Oh. Yeah. Uh, okay. She fell in love with my father's best friend and they ran away. And I basically grew up in foster care and uh, the stepmother who put me in the ICU settings uh, after uh, beating me up so badly. Yeah, my father wasn't around. Okay, so you wait. Let me just. I'm kind of a little yeah, confused a lot, here. A lot, a lot. Yeah, I know. So your mom left when you were five. You stay with right. with dad, right? Well, not not really. My dad was out also outside of the country working. I mean, I thought he was working. That's what he told me. Hmm. And uh, mostly gambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and, if it's a good work, but, you know, he's trying to work. Yeah, he never sent any money. So people were like, I don't want to take care of you. Like, um, you know, I grew up in the poor town and we were so poor. And no one, no one wanted to have an extra person in their place to mm -hmm. feed. 
and mm. from because of that situation, I was door to door. And I remember my grandmother took me to orphanage house, and she said, "This, yeah, I know." And this conversation happened right for, uh, before me. And she said, um, this uh, child have no father and no mother, and I'm not able to take care of him because I'm old. And would you guys uh, take it? They were like, I didn't fit in criteria. So that because I still have family, you know, hmm. and and they knew. And so that I'm sorry, man, but we cannot take care of him. First of all, he's very old for us. I don't know. I didn't even know what that means, but that's what they said. Hmm. So my grandmother took me back cursing and I'm so, oh my God, I can't believe I have to take care of you. We have to find your mother. That's how they found me a stepmother. They found you a stepmother? How, yeah, how, my, how did that work? My, my grandmother literally went from neighbor to neighbor. If they can find someone to marry her child, her, her son. <laughs> so I would be taken care of. Oh, Okay. But was dad home by then or he was still gambling? No, he was still gambling. Came, married, and went back. <laughs> this guy's a legend. He is. I should write another book and say if my mother, if my father was around. <laughs> yeah, if my father stayed. <laughs> stayed, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be volume three. Yeah. So you live with this, this stepmom, like, she, was she living alone or was she with someone? So they, they got us an apartment. We started living together and her stepmother, stepbrothers uh, moved in with us. So, you know, I was living with them. My grandmother was, or my father was sending me, sending send us some money, comes uh, once a year, go back. And I was basically their mate. Mm. At the age of 10. And then when she put me in ICU, uh, they decided to send me to a religious boarding school to, you know, they said, here's a child, um, you can have it, do whatever you want and uh, educate him so that I could become a religious uh, teacher, mm. teach in the school to give it back. They, that basically, that was going to be my life there. And what happened? I was sexually molested and raped. Where? Because, At the school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And when I stood up for myself, I they threw me out because, you know, like uh, they thought it would be go viral. And um, everybody thought that I stole something so that I was a thief. They threw me out. But I couldn't tell anyone why they threw me out. Hmm. So <laughs> I got the label on me as a thief. My God. And from that, my grandmother was like, all right, all right. I guess I'll just have to take care of you. So, Holy crap. This grandma, man, she's like. I know. I know. Because there's something behind it. Why mm. they didn't want to take care of me. Mm. There's something behind it. I didn't know all those years. When I found out that actually my mom couldn't get pregnant with my father for years. And she, she. I don't know. Like they have to read it and find, like, tell me. They have to and, read the book. And you know, there's a reason why they were they didn't want to take care of me. They were like uh, always, um, you know, I was the outsider, and I was wondering, like, you know, 
They're my aunt, my bagama, my father. What's going on here? Why no one wants to take care of me? Mm-hmm. So I guess you grew up not knowing how to feel loved and be loved. Correct. Hmm. Correct. And, um, you know, I never learned how to take care of myself. I mean, actually, I learned how to take care of myself, but I never, you know, taking care of someone or, you know, feeling love for someone was like came to me late in the in life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, it says in the, it, you know, I wrote in the book how I learned it, how I learned how to love myself. And, um, you know, my message is uh, I always waited for my parents to love me. And, you know, and it, you know, it cost me decades mm. of my life that yeah. I always blamed them that I couldn't become something. Mm. Uh, but when I figured out that I can be my own parent and take care of myself and, you know, and my inner child, mm-hmm. everything has changed in my life forever in a good way. Nice. Okay. When you, when your dad throw you out to the streets, where did you stay? Were you just hanging out with people? On the street. And, you know, people were offering me places to stay, but it was only for one night. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of friends? I had friends, but they're all like, they have family. And they were like, I can't, I can't accept you in my place. I had mm-hmm. one friend and I stayed with them for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And his mom felt bad for me. And uh, I, uh, and after that, they, they were like, you got, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Not to mention you're a homosexual in a la- in the land that's very conservative. Yeah, it came very handy. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So I don't mind. I, I I don't know if you mind talking. Did you sell your body? Sometimes for a sandwich. For a sandwich, the sandwich must be good. And the other way to go, but good too. <laughs> so you, when you, your dad threw you at seventeen, and you, and you're living in the you're living in the streets, and I read that you published your book at twenty two. How did Correct. that happen? You know, because on the street, I started meeting with a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of powerful people. Mm. Um, when I hit the 18, I was able to find a job in a nightclub exclusive mm. only for gay people and transvestiles. Okay. And, and, uh, that I started meeting with this powerful people. Um, one of them, you know, I was always asking, you know, is there any way for me to get out of this club and, you know, working as a, in a, in a I don't want to say normal job because mm. it just doesn't fit. Mm. I just wanted to have a job that, uh, that I can talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to tell people I want, I'm working in the, this nightclub as uh, whatever. And sometimes dancing and it was very taboo in Turkey then. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't proud of it. I shouldn't be proud of it because I'm like working 
and you know, take care of myself after everything that happened, I should be mm. very proud. I couldn't be proud of it. Mm. So luckily I found a job at the publisher um, as a typer. Mm. So I would go to these famous people's uh, houses and you know, type their stories, uh, bring it to the editor so they would make a book. Mm. In the same time, because I was so scared of getting killed uh, any day, I was writing everything down that I was like holding that notebook like my life. Mm-hmm. If something happened to me, somebody will find it and, you know, like, and you're done. Would see, that, that would see what kind of life I had. Mm-hmm. And the story, the gay stories, my life stories and everything. Um, I was writing because I couldn't talk to anyone about what happened. I'm like, nobody would believe me. This is crazy. So I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I didn't know, I mean, in the elementary school, I had, I was really good at writing and reading, but I forget, completely forgot about that. Hmm. Yeah, because you have because to survive. I, correct. I completely forgot. But when, when I started working uh, as a publisher, writing the, typing the story, I would start to tweak them, hmm. you know, and then he was there and he was like, um, like, did they really speak like this? I was like, not really, but when I was typing, I was just like, you know, uh, switched a few things. And they were like, this is really good. Hmm. And they wanted to have, they wanted to see more. One day, uh, uh, they asked me, like, if I have passion in writing. I said, well, I'm writing, but, you know, I'm writing every day. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, can I see it? So I showed them, I was like, this, is, this is so good. We have to publish this. And I think I'm one of the people who invented uh, self-publishing because nobody wanted to distribute it. <laughs> <laughs> They're scared. They scared. Yeah, they got scared, and they had right. They had mm. right to be scared because yeah. the book is oh my god. Even though I I I was able to hide names and you know try to because uh, everybody would know those people. Mm-hmm. So when the book came out, I was like going from the magazines, the newspapers, the cover. I was putting my hair up, posing. Um, but behind, from behind, from the behind, because I was so scared that they would see my face, recognize me on the street, they would kill me. Mm. So I also used a pen name. Mm. All, all those that I, I did, I wish I didn't, didn't matter because, you know, this newspaper, the journalists and everything, you know, just like, uh, and especially that time in Turkey, no promises, huh? Mm. I was on the live TV channel like that. And uh, we, like, we were doing the talk show and um, I left the TV channel with the handcuffs. Ooh. You finished the interview and then they pick you up? Yep. Okay, just let me just backtrack a little bit for me to understand. You working at this bar, uh, gay bar, transgender bar, dude, the police doesn't raid this place? They know oh, it's yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. They just take their money and go back. Ah, okay. The usual. Yeah. All right, so you got handcuffed. Where did they bring you? The police station. Okay, and obviously you know why they handcuff you and arrested yeah. you yeah they broke my nose and a few <laughs> more things <laughs> nothing just casual casual you know three days of torturing are you yeah. 
are you comfortable talking about the torture? What kind of torture they did? And what did they uh, say to you? No, I don't want to go into details. Okay. And uh, after that, I was I knocked the United States consulate door. I said, newspaper, magazine, and here you go. Uh, my life is in danger. Wait, how long did you stay in the prison? Three days. Three days, okay. I, I think I, I think three days. Yeah, I think it was three days. <laughs> I don't know. It was like it was a weird place uh, to figure out how long I was there. Mm-hmm. So you stayed there for three days, and then after that, they released you. They did with condition. You, you stop being gay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh huh. Uh huh. I wrote it down and I signed it. Wow. And if they catch you, that's it, right? That's over. I don't know what happened to those papers. Like I don't know what they did. They just scared, tried to scare me. I guess. Like, what are they gonna do with? What are, what are they gonna do with that papers? Are you wrote down. You you say you were gonna be gay. Now you're gay. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that what the, are they, Is this what they're gonna say? Come on. Mm, mm, definitely. So they, when they release you, you went straight to the consulate. I went straight. And I got married. Wait, wait, wait. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but he said straight to the, straight to the, yeah, I said, I'm going to be straight. And I went to straight to the uh, United States consulate. <laughs> no pun intended straight. I mean, like, who gave you the idea to go to the consulate? Uh, one of my friends. Hmm. Yeah, he was coming back and forth, a fashion designer, a uh, famous one. And he gave me the, he said, do this, and then I will be waiting for you at the, at the, at, in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he couldn't, uh, he wasn't comfortable with that. And he came to Istanbul, pick me up, because he was so famous that everybody was, um, you know, like the, every, uh, the older era was, the tar- tar- you know, looking at him. So nobody cared about you. Who was me? Yeah, who was next to him. So with that, I got on the plane. How did you meet this guy? Through just the lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, he he was the friend of the owner, that the club that I worked. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the owner of the club knew all the famous people. And then, I don't know, he liked me so much that, you know, we became really good friends. Hmm. Did you ever try practicing Islam or do you still practice or not at all? I went to Islamic religion school. I learned Quran from back and front. <laughs> but yeah, you were studying it to, for survival. But did you were you really studying it from the heart? I mean, here's the thing. Religion is something that you take whatever works for you. Hmm. You know, you don't have to follow all the rules for me. Hmm. Religion, uh, if that religion is telling you to wake up and do good things for yourself and for other people, I'll take Hmm. it. Hmm. If that religion is telling me not to accept this and that, because of their, you know, gender identity, or you know, like the skin color, or they were they're not from the uh, Muslim country, mm. then I won't take that part. 
Mm. It's simple. It's simple as it is. You know, uh, if every religion says, "Wake up, do good for yourself and for others, be kind," then I'll take all the religions. Mm-hmm. For you sure. Know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the definition of religion for me. Hmm. I like it. Very simple, but very concise. Yes. Hmm. Yes. That's why I'm like, uh, I love helping other people. It helps me, helps them. Uh, that's why I became a nurse. Mm-hmm. Before you became a nurse, you landed in New York. You were in a nurse. You Did your friend make you stay with you? Or how was no, your life? Uh, we became we came here and then uh, he 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 helped me to get a place like a room mm-hmm. in an apartment with uh, other people and uh, found me a job in Soho in a like high end uh, boutique. So mm-hmm. the second day, I thought I was gonna like have two weeks of vacation or something in New York. <laughs> I'm like second day. I'm like oh my god, here I am. I'm working again. Like, <laughs> and with not a word of English. He put me in that. Uh, I started working as a stock guy. You know how they with the uh, you know headphones they go. Can I get a medium? Can I get a small? And somebody brings it. That that guy was me. So basically, the first three words in English I learned was petite, small, and medium because they didn't have large. <laughs> well, but that's a good thing though because it it throws you in the deep end. Learn English, you have no choice. I wanted to learn English. I wanted to learn English yeah. so badly. And I learned very, I, I think I learned quickly, but still didn't help me to, you know, fail GED twice. <laughs> you tried twice? Three. Three times. Also, yeah, twice you failed and then the third time you got and it. I went to, and I went to business school because I thought GED wasn't for me. And then I failed. I mean, I dropped out of business school. Mm. So I'm a business school dropout and Two to twice a GED failure, but then I was able to, you know, sit down and go to Columbia University mm. and take serious GED classes and be able to pass it. Then got into college and graduated with multiple scholarships and, uh, and, and honors. Congratulations. And then I went to NYU nursing school, also got full scholarship and honors. Mm. And now I'm working as a nurse. You know? Why did you want to be a nurse? Because when I was a kid, I wanted to become a doctor. I wanted to become a pediatrician because I thought if I become a pediatrician, I have to study half because children are smaller. Mm-hmm. And when I came here, um, since my interest was still in medical field, uh, it was all about the taking care of the patients. Mm-hmm. Since I couldn't start medical school, I said, you know, let me start, you know, let me try to be a nurse first. <laughs> And I'm glad I did because I love being a nurse. I don't know mm. about being a doctor because nurse, you know, I have one-to-one relationship with patients. Mm. I don't know if I would have had that if I was a doctor, medical mm. doctor, you know. And I love my job. I love what I do, and I'm damn good at it. <laughs> That's awesome. I read that you're trying to pursue as a psychiatric nurse. Uh, we'll see. We'll see, you know. We'll see about that, but it's just like uh, one of the things that I would love that. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, everything is changing. So for me to say that, 
it's really difficult, you know,、mm-hmm. because I feel like if I can help other people, you know, b- without giving medications,、mm. you know, with their lives and、uh, let them、uh, get on it and go on,、mm-hmm. that, w- that would be dream come true. Yeah, for sure. You said that you like helping young people. Well,、uh, I'm gonna guess teenagers. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, are you trying to be a life coach or a mentor of some sort? I would love to,、hmm. you know,、um, but、uh, because I have mentors, you know, who help me to get here, and I cannot just be selfish and leave it right there.、Hmm. You know, I would like to give that back to community. Yeah. Well, are you reaching out to some teenagers or do you have someone that you are mentoring already? I have, but because、um, I also, you know, I, I have mentees from NYU nursing school. I'm trying to help them.、Hmm. And I usually go to high schools and try to inspire little kids to become nurses. Oh, how? Like by school、um, or by personal? No, by school. Okay. And, you know, tell them how it feels like to be, be a male nurse or you know, be, be a nurse. And I tell them maybe they would be inspired.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, for now, I, I feel like I have two jobs already, you know. <laughs> Which one's your favorite? All of it.、Mm. Everything. I do is、uh, I'm, I'm making sure that I'm investing my time for something that I really like、mm-hmm. because I don't want to take someone else's spot because I'm capable of doing that.、Mm. You know what I mean? I'm sure、mm. someone else h a v e that dream to do that job, and I don't want to do it because I want to pay my bills. I did it in the past, you know.、Um, Right now, I'm just following my passion. You know? I don't want to, I'm just trying to invest my time for something that has meaning for me. Yeah, worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Even if they're makeup and hair. <laughs> <laughs> do you also do makeup and hair? I told you I'm like a video school dropout. Yeah, I know, but I don't know if you still pursue it. Um, not,、uh, not front of cameras, but yeah, sure, it's fun. Makeup and hair is fun. I don't、mm. know, I don't see any harm on it, you know. Just don't do drugs. <laughs> are those one of your hobby, makeup and hair, or are, do you have other no, my, things? My hobby is usually、uh, volleyball and tennis. You play volleyball? And, and ski.、Mm. Yeah, I don't like skiing. Uh, Yeah, we're from Canada. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like snow. <gasps> I'm shaking. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't like, I'm trying to like it, but it's still a struggle. Well, if you're trying to like it, just drop it. No, no, I'm, I'm pushing myself to like it.、I'm, you are? Yeah, yeah.、Okay. I'm, I'm I mean,、slowly. you're trying to be good at it or you're trying to like it? There's a big difference. Oh, no, not skiing. I'm not trying skiing, but like to be outside more when it's winter. I see. I got yeah, it. Because somebody told me like, the best way to enjoy it is you have to be out there and experience it. So, what、uh, background did you pick? Oh, 
Istanbul. Of course. Of course. Home, right? Have you been back? My home is the world. This is my the world is my home. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But have you been back to Istanbul since you left? Maybe. <laughs> Why maybe? I did, I did. Yeah? Yeah. Why did you go back? Uh I have all my memories there. Hmm. Good or bad, you know? And um I feel that there are a lot of people need help, and it's one of my projects hmm. to, if I have like bigger platform, and um, maybe let's say TEDx, or you know like that will open my doors, and um, there are a lot of people need help, and I would love to be the ambassador between continents, you know, uh, try to help those kids. And, you know, it's a brutal culture sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to go through what I went through or worse. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I tried to commit suicide just to, just because I couldn't do it anymore, I couldn't want to leave another day and you know try to survive. I see, I didn't, I, but it didn't go well. And uh, <laughs> thank God. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you had to teach yourself to love yourself. What was the breaking point, and what was the that made you realize how to love yourself? Was there someone that made you feel that, or taught you to love yourself? Yeah, when I went to psychiatric mental health hospital for a month in uh, 2009, they, you know, therapy after therapy, therapy after therapy, and there I learned how to love myself and move forward. Those mm. people saved my life because I tried to commit that twice. <laughs> you suck. Stop doing it. You suck. You're, you're not good. <laughs> Maybe because I really didn't want it. Mm. No, the second... No, the second time I actually didn't try, but I watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy to figure out how to do that. Okay. And uh, I didn't do it. I, instead of that, I called for help and I checked into hospital because I, if I tried it, I probably this time I would have success. I would have succeeded. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Did you have anyone in your life that kind of guiding you towards the positive side of life or the the good path as they say or you didn't have anyone at all no 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 i didn't i had you know i knew people but nobody they just took in the hospital and then you know uh, said to me don't do it again hmm. when you check into that rehab psychiatric uh, facility how old were you 29 29 that's what i mean like at oh, that yeah. time Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you don't live in a place like that, just like, you know, by yourself and, you know, go to you. You pair with someone to help you to succeed uh, with your uh, mental recovery. Mm -hmm. Did anyone push you or you just realized, I need help here and I need to go somewhere? Oh, no. Um, 
my I went to a doctor. My doctor was like, um, you know, I'm gonna give you this brochure just to keep it on the side. You know, like uh, she knew what I was going through, but she couldn't say it because it's kind of like uh, you cannot tell someone, oh my god, you're depressed. I don't like the way you're acting. Like you need to go to you know, that's just like so wrong. Mm. It's kind of like self-diagnosed. Mm. So and um. I was so depressed and I just couldn't move anymore longer. And uh, I was just like taking showers and staying home and doing nothing and feeling sorry for myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I saw the brochure, I made a phone call and the best phone call I've ever done in my life. Did they pick you up or you had to go to the place? They came and picked me up. I couldn't go. I really couldn't go. Why? Do you think it's a failure if you go? I just couldn't. I couldn't leave the home. Because the, just, the depression is I, too heavy? I just couldn't get up. I couldn't even brush my teeth or take a shower. Hmm. You know, I was just like so um, done. When you moved to New York, I'm sure you were excited and full of life somehow. What triggered this depression again? Uh, working in nightclubs and not having proper diet, not nutrition, and uh, working in one of the highest uh, high-end clubs in, in, in New York, and, and then hang out after the work and, you know, come home, depression, and do it again, come home, depression, do it again. Um, so at one point, I just couldn't do it anymore. Mm. Yeah. And you didn't have anyone, like a positive, I don't know, a positive person in your life that could like, hey, Brock, you got to stop doing this. It's they're I, did. All... I did. I mm. did. I did. I did. Uh, but you know, I mean, I whatever they say, I'm like, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm okay. Yeah. You know, like for me to admit that I wasn't doing well, it uh, it was very difficult because I didn't want to show any weakness, mm-hmm. even though they were seeing it. But I felt like I was hiding it. Mm-hmm. What made you make that phone call? I was planning to commit to suicide. That's oh. what made me made the, uh, I said, before we do that, uh, let's try this method. Hmm. And I said, if that doesn't work, I'll come home and kill myself. <laughs> I wasn't joking. No, I'm not joking. That's exactly what I said. I, I believe you. I just like, I just <laughs> laugh at the dark. I laugh at the darkness. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. I, my best joke comes from my darkness. Mm-hmm. How long did you stay at the rehab? One month. Hmm. When you initially did the therapy, did you believe it or are you just like going with the movement? I'm just uh, going with the movement. Hmm. When did it happen that, oh, I, I should start believing this. This is, this is good. This is helping me. There. I started feeling happy, started laughing, started making jokes. Um, making people laugh, 
and I felt the light again. Mm. You know, and uh, I was like, oh my God, I, I can, you know, laugh again. And I, it was, um, <clears throat> it was, um, and that was the turning point for me to see myself laughing again. And I've been so long that I didn't know I forgot how to laugh. Congratulations. Thank you. A lot of people say that it's easy to change your life, but to sustaining is the challenge. I don't know how to ask those people. Mm -hmm. So how do you sustain? <laughs> how do you sustain yourself from going back to the darkness? I didn't say I don't go back to darkness. Mm -hmm. I do, but this time I know how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Jokes? Jokes are, jokes are the best uh, medicine, I guess. Being yeah. connected. Um, as I said, helping someone helps me because I know that I am like, uh, um, am accountable for them. And I want mm -hmm. to, you know, I want to play the way I, I want to practice the way that I want to play. Mm -hmm. So if I practice, then that's how I play. Same as volleyball, tennis. You just play, you play the way you practice. Mm -hmm. When did you write the second book? After this uh, bout with the facility? Yeah, I started writing again. Hmm. Was there someone that told you or suggested to you that, hey, why don't you start writing again? I don't ask those people. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't ask those questions. Um, but everybody wanted to know I would like to, about the first book. And I was like, okay, so here's something about from the first book and then continues with the second book. Mm -hmm. Which book was the hardest to write? The first one or the second one? Both. Hmm. I mean, no, no, no. Uh, let's change that. They were not hard to write. Writing the easiest part. Hmm. It comes to me naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, only part that was very difficult for me, re-translating the first book into second book, that I had to revisit that memories, uh, was very difficult for me. And especially there was one part that I just couldn't pass. It took me so long to be able to actually sit down and write that part. It was so painful. Hmm. So painful. And then you finally did write it. I wrote it. And then when I had to edit it, I was like, all righty, here we go again. Oh, this, I have to pass this part because I don't know how the readers are going to pass that part. Hmm. But it was, it's really, I can't even talk about it. Hmm. We don't have to. Yeah. Like there, there were parts that, um, but it was very difficult to write, edit, put it together. And mm -hmm. I hope the readers will enjoy it somehow. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they would. It came from the heart. Yeah, well, it came from my soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, I, I left my soul in the book. Mm -hmm. I only have like three, three lives left. So. <laughs> you used the two, man. So quick. <laughs> you got to save up. We'll see. We'll see. 
How do you make sure that you are writing accurate memory? Can you did have you did you corroborate it with someone or you just sat down and really think hard and just write it down? Um what is accurate memory? Hmm. Well, there are some books that like a great example would be I believe it's a million a thousand million pieces when it became a bestseller and there was a part of the book it's a memoir before and there was a part of the book that he kind of changed the information and it became a big deal going to behind you Oprah she was so upset because she put it on her Oprah's book list and they found out that the author actually changed that part and it, it wasn't a memoir at all because he changed that part That's what I'm trying to say. How did they figure it out? How did they figure it out? I guess they went to... I believe the scene was... He went... He claimed that he went to the dentist and because he was a drug addict, he wasn't allowed to use codeine or whatever that makes, helps you don't feel anything. And I guess they went back to the dentist and find out that, oh, he, we, did, we did use something. He didn't really went through that with pain. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's interesting. And did dancers release this information? I'm sorry? And dancers release this information? Did they release the information? The dentist? Yeah. I guess so. I mean, like I said, you can Google it. It was in Oprah. It was a big deal. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So you just... Like I said, I'm not I'm not questioning your memory. I'm just saying, like, how do you make sure? Because people will ask if it's a memoir. It has to be accurate, you know? I would say nonfiction. Okay. The first one, was it a memoir as well or nonfiction? Non nonfiction. It's not only me. It's other people and there are many other stories. It's not only my story. Okay. Oh, the first one is a collection of short storybook? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was a novel. Nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And and the second one, it's a a novel as well. Nonfiction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the collection of stories. Yeah. Okay. So if there's actor story, not actor story. You know, in my like when I when when if there's a there's a part, if someone told me the story and I wrote it down. Mm. I mean, I didn't, I didn't check the facts. I just wrote it because maybe it, I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. you know, there yeah. are parts of it. But yeah, I mean, it's not only based on me. Mm. Okay. I it, the, the 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 name of the book, if my mother never left, is based more most like most about my mother. <laughs> 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 Have you spoken to your mom? Have you? Do you have a contact with her, or you just she, she just vanished? Um, let them find out in the book. Hmm. We talk about earlier. Well, you talk about it earlier that there was a part of the book that it was hard for. It was really hard for you to write. Was there a moment that you almost stopped finishing the book and you said to yourself that like this is you know I cannot I cannot write this down? Yeah. Many, many times, <laughs> many times, maybe every night. <laughs> <laughs> What keeps you going and writing it? 
<sighs> um, people want to know. So people always ask me, mm. you know, what is the story? What is the what is the key? And for that reason, that I thought they wanted to know more, and I wrote it. Hmm. How long did it take you to finish writing the book? I don't know. I I'm, I mean, ten years. I don't ten know. years when you start the first word on the second book. Listen, again, I'm making it clear. Hmm. I write all the time. Mm-hmm. And what I like, I collect it and put it together. Mm. So I cannot say, okay, I I start writing at this time. Mm-hmm. There's no such a thing. You know, I start writing since I was born. Mm-hmm. I'm writing the stories, put it on the paper, put it in the computer, put it in the book. Is that what I mean? If that's what you're talking about, yes. But I've been writing those stories since I was born. Mm, okay, so it's a journal. When I say I write those stories since I was born, I meant I live, I live them. Mm. Put in the paper or in the book is just a matter of fact. Mm. Yeah. So writing is not only mean doesn't mean just you sit down on the computer. <gasps> okay, I'm just, I'm now going to write. You know, mm. for me it doesn't mean that I write. I start write as soon as I wake up and I to go to bed. I write my stories, I write my picture, I write, you know, like, no. They, maybe they're not at the paper at that moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in my head, I'm writing it. Or I'm uh, in, with my actions, with my life, and I'm, you know, I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm writing, you know, everybody thinks it's a physical action. Mm-hmm. That you sit down and you put your fingers on the computer and you start typing. That's, that's, that's not writing. That's literally typing. Hmm. But when people think, uh, you know, they think about a writer or a writing, someone who writing stories, that's what they think about. For me, it's not a physical process. Listen, that's a very beautiful statement. I think we're there. Before we close out, do you have any closing remark or you have anything else to say? Um, of course, be kind to yourself and not to others because I know it's very cliche sometimes. You know, people mm. always say, and try to remember if, like, you know, everybody is going through something. Nobody is waking up off to bed and say, I'm going to be bad today. Um, mm. You know, for different reasons. But, you know, no, I don't think anyone says, I'm, I'm going to get off to bed and I'm going to murder someone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But things happen, you know, like something triggers to something triggers, something triggers, and they end up there. And, you know, when you ask people, like, I watch sometimes it's just, and they say, why did you kill? And they go, like, I don't know. You know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like be aware and be mindful of uh, of your surroundings. That's all. Amazing. Again, Burak, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good evening. Good night. Bye-bye. Hi. Again, Burak, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.